myself out. I am afraid of I'm terrified and paralyzed by I am deathly afraid of Welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast with your host, me, Ryan Perio. Hello and welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Perio. This week, I'm in Wichita, Kansas, recording live from the condo where I am all by my lonesome as the headliner got his own hotel and the opener is a local guy. So I am inside the comedy club in a makeshift, what looks like a sitcom house. It's a basically a living area that has been renovated out of the back of the Wichita Looney Bin. I'm out here um, doing shows with Vince Morris, which I'll be doing again next week in Oklahoma City. But today's episode where I am pleased to bring you comedian David Diaz as my guest. David is a comic in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and he is a big comedy fan as well, so you will see him at a lot of shows. David is a fun person to talk to and one of the people I was most excited to get on this podcast just because of his dry wit and just interesting conversations. In this episode, we talk about his obsession with CeCe's Pizza, his lifetime subscription to Bumble, and then we get into his fear of confrontation, which is a real interesting and relatable conversation for me as someone that was bullied a lot. I share this fear as well. So let's get into my interview right now with David Diaz. All right, my guest this week is comedian David Diaz. David's been doing comedy, what, three years? Four. four. Years? I'm just at four years now. Well, congratulations on Thank the you. four year anniversary. <laughs> Thank you. David's a regular, like, not only is he a comedian, like, he's a fan of other comics. I see him at a lot of shows just supporting local comics as well. Whenever they get their big break or something, he's in the audience showing his support, which is something that doesn't go unnoticed. So. Oh, okay. I. Yeah, it's one of those things I don't really try, try to do to get noticed, just like to, other than to that comic to, hey, proud of you, buddy. Yeah, and it's it's something, you know, it's cool because it's one of those things where it's kind of a, a nod to that peer, per se. For, for sure, yeah. And I'm always happy when it's somebody that I, that I think has leap, leapfrogged to me, like somebody that started. Yeah. And that I, whatever, I'm not going to be negative. Yeah. But I mean, it's somebody that you started with that's in your, I guess, group. But, but yeah, but even when they have started after me, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, good for you. You worked. I can see yeah. that they worked hard. And it's not a marathon or a sprint. No, I know that. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not competing yeah. with them. Yeah, that's the hard thing to 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 look past. Is it's it takes a lot of I would say almost ego maturity to be able to process that and be hey, it's okay. It's it took me a year of comedy to kind of tamper that down because I had a comic that I started with that was super competitive and would always call me about all his opportunities and would be like, you know, like, oh, I, I'm just so great at this, you know, I just, you know, all this and it, and it wore on me and I just had to kind of, you know, remove them from my, my circle and just work okay, on me because yeah. I was just like, it was just getting where it was almost toxic that he would, he'd be like, I don't know what I should do. I'm like, well, you, I don't have any gigs. I don't know what your 
your answer is. If is I, this a two-way toxic toxic thing? Like, was he aware that was? I don't know if he was or not. It was one of those people that I felt like they got married out of high school, so they never. They were in high school. They always had that high school mentality of, I have to win. Like if it's a, if there's a com- confrontation, I have to be the victor. I can't. There's no compromise. I, either I win or I don't. Yeah. And so, I was just like, you know what? I'm out. I'm gonna work on me. Work on things I can do better. And I started listening to my sets and trying to figure out where am I? What am I? What are? What's doing good? What isn't doing good? And just trying to slowly and surely work on myself and just try to get to where I could, you know, get opportunities as well as the next person. Yeah, that's the thing I'm still working on is listening to my sets and determining whether this was good or not. Yeah, it's it's brutal. And the only reason I was able to do it is I would I would record on an MP3 player and then I would burn that to a CD. And then what I would do is because I helped out at Backdoor on Friday and Saturday is I would put that CD in and it would be long enough like 30 to 45 minutes it would be half the drive to the club so i would listen to it while i was driving that way i couldn't be like oh i can't you know i don't have i can't really take my hands off the wheel and you know move the cd you know i could but yeah yeah but i'm i'm focusing on i can't take too much time away from driving because i got to be at the club to set up and so it became kind of a ritual that i would do that while i was driving so that way it was kind of a okay you you have to you have to listen now because you have what else are you going to do while you're driving just quietly drive you're you're multitasking you have more discipline than i guess then than i have now still it's a i i can always find a way to, to not do that yeah yeah it just takes time though i mean it just is one of those things where i everybody's work ethic and what they need to work on is different so it takes everybody has to do it their own way yep Otherwise, it just it gets to be work. It's not fun if I tell you, okay, well, you just need to listen. You need to, as soon as you're done with your set, you need to leak, listen back and find out where you didn't get the laughs, figure out why you didn't get the laughs, and then come back next week. I mean, it works for some people, right? Yeah, it's- it does. But I was like, to me, I was like, if I don't, if I just do one at a time, then I'm just, I'm going crazy because not every audience is, di- is going to be the same. So yeah. And so I would just play the law of averages and I would just do that same, you know, same material over and over again. And I would just listen to it. Basically, it would be the same set on repeat, but it would just be different laughs. And it's like, okay, well, this joke tends to constantly get laughs. So it's obviously pretty good. And one of my jokes is my yoga bit. And I, when I thought of it, I thought it was the dumbest thing I had ever thought of. I was like, this is the stupidest joke I've ever come up with. And ever there from the moment i did it at open mic it was like it got a good response of showing how unflexible i am and so i've i've learned to to emotionally just kind of like i just that's my discipline it's when i did break dancing i was the same way as like i realized that oh it's not just learning the moves you have to practice and perfect these moves so that you can do them in your own special way and tie them in with another move that you've learned like go from here to here to here and so it just taught me, you know, it just taught me a discipline by just being a break dancer for like four years before I started stand up. I didn't know that about the the break dancing. Yeah. A lot of people don't because I don't do a lot of it and because my knees and everything else have aged. Because like, everybody, yeah. Because everybody's got to stop at some point. Yeah. 
So what? What? It's kind of interesting that you got into comedy because you have another fear we're not going to talk about, which is stage fright. And so it's almost like you're tackling that. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it was there, and that's always why I hesitate to take a long break. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure a lot of times you've been burned out or whatever. Or yeah. you start to get burned out. And now I'm starting to know when that feeling is coming. And then I just dial back the number of mics that I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, because I don't want to ever want to take a long break. Because I don't want... I have a fear of my stage fright coming back. And like, fuck that. I've already... It took a whole lot out of me. Or it took a little enough work. Yeah. To to face that. And like... That used to be my win. Yeah. Like any good... Any set would be... Any that I, that I would get on stage was a win for me. Yeah. Now it's... The next step is to be on stage and then maybe do an act out for you sure. Know. Yeah. That, yeah. One of these days I'll do an act. Yeah, out. That's Ryan. the next goal, <laughs> yeah. which is, it's just to push your boundaries. And so that you're comfortable in any situation so that you're never, you're never in a situation where you're completely blindsided on stage. Yeah. I feel like that's w- what stage confidence is, is that I am doing this for so long and had so many different kinds of interruptions and heckles and everything else that I have, I here's my plan of action. I'm not going to be phased by it. And I, a lot of that comes from going up in empty rooms. A lot of that came from doing two to three years of just be going last and being like, okay, no one's going to book me, but I'm still going to do this and still try to figure out. And so I was like, I'll go last. That way I don't have to just panic and drive out of here like a bat out of hell from, you know, twilight to try to get on early at hyenas. Yep. I would just go last and I was, my record, I think, was six in one night, and so that was that was too much. That was your your brain is just completely you just laid down and you're asleep. Mine is either four or five. It gets uh, it gets hard to remember. Like it's like the third or second or third time you do it, you got it. But then like the fourth or fifth, everything starts to kind of get a little bit like not as crisp. Like it's like you remember the lines, but you get slower because you're having to to focus and yeah. You spent time driving and all, yeah, all that. It's panicking and being awake and hear, having your friends text you and be like, "What should I do in this situation?" And it's like, "I can't talk right now. I'm busy." Yep. Uh, so yeah, so that there's that fear that we're not really going to get into. Yeah. You have another fear though. That one I have a I, bunch of fears. Yeah, same here. But <laughs> that this is one that I really really resonate with as somebody that was bullied a lot as a kid. Okay. So I, when you, when you said this is like, you're the first person that's actually come with this fear. And so go ahead and ex- tell people what your fear is. I'm a little bit surprised uh, that nobody's, the fear of confrontation. It's, uh, it's tough. Yeah. I feel like I'm better at it, but I still, it's still there. It's, uh, your gym member said, says otherwise your bumble. I have things to, t- to tell you about my gym membership. I've got my look. I've been without a car for like three weeks and I've taken a lift to CC's like three or four times and I've taken a lift to the gym zero times and I got my the rental today and I went to lift I mean, to CC's before I came here. I almost can't help it. I don't even like it. I don't know what it is. It's just a. Uh, I feel like the lift driver probably judged you as he said you put it into destination CC's. They probably did. There was one of them that was like CC's, huh? And uh, <laughs> I was like, yep. CC's, huh? Like, I don't. Is that where you would take your bum? You're also a, a, a terminal bumbler. Yeah, I was doing that just now while you went to the bar. Uh, I have a life because I've got a lifetime membership, so I'm going to get my money's worth 
So how did you? How do you get a lifetime membership? You is pay it, for it. Is <laughs> it, just, it just is some. They have this. They have that as a payment option. There's like one month. Yeah. A year you, you and get like then one month, three months. Yeah, pretty much. And then then until you hang yourself. I think a lifetime membership. At this point, I had already bought like a month of Bumble like two, three times. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I might as well just. Uh, so what time is like a hundred dollars? So what? Is, what is the things you've noticed differently about? Bumble Premium versus Bumble. Uh, actually, for a while, I noticed that my results were worse. I felt like they, I felt like they're like, "Thanks for the money, David. Like, here's shitty results." But it's not their job to find you results. You're supposed to make. But you're experience- supposed to make lemonade out of the lemons they give you. The experience you. should get better, though, right? If you once you start paying for a thing, the experience should get better. I feel like the the expectation is that I don't think that that's actually. Yeah, that's my expectation. Yeah. yeah. I don't expect women to all of a sudden love me or whatever. Yeah. Like that's like they can't help like, that. That's like there's right. a horde of supermodels. Like where's this geeky, that's geeky thirty or something, forty something year yeah. old guy that that just lives out of his car? Where's that guy? Yeah, where is he? And then I'm like, bingo, that's where he is. <laughs> and then Bumble is like, that's the thing is like I was getting those matches before I paid for it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm I just went weeks without really getting anything. It's I I feel like online dating has perks and I guess other things just because you don't have that organic you don't get to have that organic like hanging out with somebody that maybe from a distance you would have been like on bumble or something like nah but you know you just hang out and talk to him and you're like oh this is a pretty fun person to hang with i can do that too i can talk to women yeah it's just uh it's a lot more convenient, I guess, when it's... Uh, Do you consider that a confrontation? Like, when you want to take things for from something, like, to get a phone number? like not. A, I mean, I make it a challenge in my head. Yeah. Especially when there's my friend, my, when my friends are around, then it's it's almost like a showing off thing. Like, hey, watch this. And just, like, I, I love either one. I love either the either getting the number or, like, it going well <laughs> or getting shot down just for the laugh. Just so people, okay. people can You're laugh at a stronger person than I am because that's, that's where I'm at. I'm like... I'm like, I don't know if I, you know, it, it was just by happenstance that I met the person I did. And I was like, you know, why not? You're going to, if you're wanting to learn how to make an omelet, you've got to learn how to break an egg, you know? And yeah. and I was like, you know, what's the worst that could happen? And it was pretty great. Yeah. I was curious if you've considered like the steps in dating to be kind of a confrontation, if you will, like almost. Oh, I did have, I mean, I have a bunch of notes here Okay, that I took. Not so much in dating but when i was uh when i was married yeah i pretty much avoided confrontation as much as possible because like everything had to be the ex my ex-wife's way uh-huh. she wanted everything to be her way but i was pretty much like on eggshells about like hope this is right i hope i'm doing hope i'm doing this right what what was like like just was it just the the dressing down or the was it just wish yell at you? Would it be mean comments or? It just be a shitty tone, I guess. I didn't, I didn't like it. Okay, so you, it, it was something you could definitely perceive was was not great, and then you would just feel like an asshole the rest of the night. Uh, I think I was all. I think that whole time when I was married, I already, I, I was always like right on that, right mm-hmm. on the line of like feeling useless or incompetent. Okay, and. Like try, like I'd want to try to learn how to do different things and whatever, but I felt like I was constantly discouraged. Okay. So how do you, how do you, how do you, I guess, combat that now? The constant discouragement. Well, I don't. I got a divorce. And yeah, with the divorce part, for the, <laughs> was it just her that was discouraging? Or was there a voice inside you that was saying, 
don't even try it. There She's was, not going to appreciate uh, it. Yeah, that, I eventually got there to where I... But then that's when I had more confrontation. That's where I was more leaning into the confrontations. Before, yep. I was on eggshells, like, trying to, like, oh, better, like, don't want to piss her off. And then it got to the point where almost everything was pissing her off anyway. And I was like, fuck it. I don't give a shit if she... Like, I was almost welcoming, like, an argument or, like, a... Okay, so you're almost like UFC argument ready, like just yes, yeah, yeah. You became the heel in wrestling terminology. To yeah, I'm not. It's easier to blame the other person in a breakup or relationship because like people become assholes, especially when they're arguing. But mm-hmm. I mean, I it's super easy to point the finger at her, but I also probably was childish too. And well, at some point, everybody does. I think at at some point, you just you want to be acknowledged, and it feels like if it's almost like a parent not paying attention to you. It's like, hey, yeah. look at me. I felt like a kid, yeah. So where do you think this fear of confrontation started? Uh, let's, I was actually thinking about that. Uh, let me think. So there, I don't know about genetically, but I know I've always been like a sensitive person. <laughs> I was a sensitive kid starting off. And my parents were Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay. So it was, kind of, it was a very closed circle. Like, okay. it's like don't be friends with with people that are not in the same church and so on. But they would also kind of prep us for like these. Let me back up. I would sometimes go to them like on Saturdays, knock on people's doors and more or less bother people. And not that often, but maybe one out of 20 times or so, somebody would be really fucking rude. Yeah. And that's what would stick with me. I'm like, fuck, I don't want, I don't, I don't ever want to go knock on doors and have somebody yell at me or like yeah curse at me well that's the world of a jehovah's witness yeah but you get by, to by witness the, by like, the way yeah that's what you gotta get to witness is like is the dressing down yeah <laughs> it's almost like you can see why there's like well, no wonder we want we want twenty six thousand of you fuckers like we don't <laughs> yep noted yep good to know i mean i feel like that's their justification for you dressing them yep good looking hell buddy right yeah, but also what makes it worse is like by that point, like you're more or less, it's more or less beaten into your head that like this is the true religion. Yeah. And like, then I'm like, fuck, like I, I was pretty much like 50 50. I'm like, yeah, this, I know, I know that this is all true, but I also don't want to bother people. So I hope God doesn't, isn't too hard on me for, for not spreading the word that much. Look, I'm, I feel like we've gotten as many as we're going to get. I feel like if we just keep, why are we spreading the word if there's only a limited number of seats in heaven? Like, I feel like we're selling people potentially that, that get rejected. Like, what happens if I if I sell, like, whatever the number is above the limit? Like, I don't want to advocate for that religion right now because <laughs> I don't believe in it. But just to clarify, there's 144,000 spots in heaven. Mm-hmm. Everybody else that accepts Jehovah into their life or whatever gets to live on par- live on earth okay. forever after Armageddon. Okay, so this is all. By the way, this is all. This information is all as of the mid '90s or so. I pretty much checked out, and I'm sure there's been some revisions and stuff. I think they did up their seating like they said. We need to build a bigger. We need to big, build a bigger heaven. We need to renovate. Yeah, we got to get a bigger boat. The they it's 144,000 in heaven because that's in the Bible. So that number is referenced in the Bible somewhere. I mean, people interpret it different, but yeah. Once again, I'm not trying to advocate for it. I don't believe in any of that anymore. You hear it here from David. Yeah, David. exactly. David J. W. Diaz. Yeah. The, uh, but that's, I think that's where some of it came from. Is, mm-hmm. Oh, and they would show us like images of like, hey man, when you go preach the word of God, uh-huh. 
people will be shitty to you. Here's some pictures of some things that have happened, but you got to almost be ready for it. And it'd be like people burned at the stake and <laughs> people like in Russia just getting like uh, suppressed and all that. And and I'm like, this sucks. I don't I don't like any of this. Yeah. So noted that don't go to don't try to preach in Russia. You can, yeah. They're, I mean. But that's I never th- heard of that, that they have a uh, what to do if if a heathen decides he wants to burn you alive or they have all sorts of I mean, not not that one, but they have all sorts of like if they say this, oh, I've got a religion, then say this. If they say like a big flow yeah. chart of it's like a sales pitch. Yeah. In a very practical way. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of MLM there. How did you turn do you tur- did they have to turn in the numbers like if your number your 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 numbers of people the to turn or low do you did they approach you like hey i'm sure i noticed your your sales are down i noticed i'm sure i will i can ask i can look into that but i know that that you go out on a saturday mm-hmm. you come you actually you go in in the morning well, you go what to, a beating too it's like you, you can't even take you take the good oh, day I of the know. weekend I, yeah <laughs> i and plus something and plus and plus churches on sunday sometimes too so you got to miss a bunch of football and i was a big football fan back then anyway the uh you go in Sunday, Saturday morning. They give you like some sheets, and they're like, "Here, go to these houses." Then you go knock whatever, and you just take notes on each one, and then you turn that in at the like Saturday afternoon or so. I feel like they're like the NSA. Like you just you, you write notes about what kind of person they are. Like, I wonder if they said someone more like more Jehovah'sy, like over there. If you were able to seal the deal, like oh, this guy seems close. Let's send there. Was- let's send our ace Steve. It, the, on the flip side of that, there's times where they would come to my apartment and they would preach to me and I would tell them like, oh yeah, I'm already one of, I'm already one of those. Or like, yeah, my dad's a Jehovah's Witness and I would yeah, more, they'd be like, oh, okay, cool. And then go away. And I feel a little bit bad for more or less tricking them. But I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just one of, I'm like one of you guys. It's not really tricking. I mean, you technically were. I mean. Yeah, but I say it so that in a more of a leave me alone kind of way. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, we're friends. But it's we're like you're a retired cop. Yeah, except yeah, except the retired cop doesn't lie to you and tell you tell you that he's still a cop. Yeah, you just you just tell him you're too old for this shit and close the door. I don't want to be mean. I don't like being mean. I, back to the back to the confrontation yeah. thing. I still don't like being mean. I'm sure you see me being yeah be a smartass on diplomatic on, online all the time. But I don't. I mostly don't. I don't try to do that when I feel like it's actually hurting somebody's feelings or actually yeah. bothering anybody i tend to try to do that but i'm also slightly somewhere on the spectrum so sometimes i will say things and inadvertently like oh i'm sorry i <laughs> hurt your feelings so severely i was just joking about that and i was unaware that that would be the reaction i, I was looking for haha not boohoo and yeah so that's happened a few times so you feel a lot of it is just i guess religious that's might be that might be the basis of it. Yeah, that it's just that you're always taught, but then that, it just becomes habit. Yeah, yeah, that you're always taught. Hey, if a confrontation happens, do this and do that, and say I they're pray. also they're all yeah, kind of. You'll pray they're for also it. very pacifist. Like they're like mm-hmm. don't fight people. I mean that is that does that doesn't matter for me. I'd get my ass kicked either way by. Yeah. See, I was just bullied, and I've always just been the weakest of the herd. So it's that's always one of the things it's like it doesn't matter there's no there's no moment in my life where i get to punch the bully and win like if i punch the bully the he's, child yeah it's it's he's gonna oh you want to go and then 
I'm going to be, you know, in the hospital. Yeah, you're going to have cracked ribs in it. Yeah, you know, I'm going to be like, I can't breathe. You're going to be alive because they because they stopped punching. Yeah, <laughs> they felt sorry for me. Like, yeah, some, some girl, some girl will be like, he's had enough, Steve. Yeah, some some girl's going to step in for you. Yeah, it's always it's always so so chivalrous. The ladies that that will step in for you and stop hurting him. I don't, those are the ones, <laughs> I guess. It's but I mean, it's it's one of those things where I feel like it 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 does it can have lasting, I guess, confidence issues as far as. For me, anyways, I feel like I'm. I've always been. It took me a long time to be somewhat confident in who I was versus trying to be something I'm not. I'm trying to think of when I had any confidence. I remember. I do remember feeling of having none. Mm-hmm. That that sucked. Is that when you were married? Oh, uh, that's probably when it was at its worst. No, but even then, that was a weird. That was a weird. You had somebody. My, that was a weird clash in my head because because I liked me, mm-hmm. but certain things about me like would really get on her fucking nerves. Yeah, and then in my head I'm like, but I'm I'm being me. Like I'm the person that you married or whatever. Like, yeah. So how do you how do you I guess if someone were to confront you, would you just you would just completely try to find a way to I guess end it passive a pacifist way. Because I have seen you stand up at certain times. There there's have been, been times, yeah. There's been times recently where I've not gotten in people's faces, but I've voiced it. Yeah. How does that feel when you actually pipe up and say something to somebody? I just I feel like I'm more when I I'm already I've already done some math in my head, mm-hmm. and I'm more or less ready to like get my ass kicked. I guess I'm I'm like I kind of expecting like all right, worst thing that could happen is I say this, they hit me in the fucking face, and all right. Like somebody's okay. bothering one of my friends or whatever that I'm gonna. Okay. And it's mostly that it usually takes something like that for me to get to get to that point. So, do you feel like that you you feel that you feel good in the moment, and then you're you've already made peace with the consequences of okay, these are the things that could be happening. It's worth it at least. To at least ha- at least let my friends and anybody else there know where my stance is. I think that's secondary. Because mm-hmm. there's also times where nobody's around to like see or whatever, other than my wherever my friend is that's yeah getting harassed or bullied or whatever. Well, it ha- it's also happened at open mic. I remember at the uh, armory, you. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy, that poor guy. Yeah. And so I was, you know, it's, it seems like that was a moment where everything just kind of bubbled over to where I would say it's kind of like me, myself, and Irene, where, he, just where chilled. he's at the grocery store and he just is twitching <laughs> and then he just goes off. So you remember, you were, you were there for that? Yep. Do you remember? So I was on stage, the guy was getting shitty. I, whatever, I yelled back at him. I didn't, I mean, that's what I thought, that's what I thought would be the end of it. It was not. Oh, I know. But then, like, he gets shit. He starts threatening people. Then the, like, five or six comics, like, are just pinning him. Yeah. Five or six people. I won't say that they're five yeah. or six people. Uh, we're pinning until the police got there. And then when I went to go see what was happening, somebody hopped on stage. And then I was like, no, nah, fuck that. And I went back and I did my set because I was like, I, I drove out here for for something. Yeah. I, I remember that whole thing. I was like, okay. I was like, okay, we we maybe picked the wrong person to. I forgot all about that. No, Ryan, like I will speak up, but I also 
I will speak up, but I will also probably fold at the first sign of resistance. Yeah. I will. Uh, but I think one thing I've noticed is that is you remember that in Fight Club where yeah. where nobody wants to like hit somebody like you can push somebody. They people don't want that. People don't don't want to escalate. But except I, I also know that if you fuck with the wrong people, some of them are more than happy to. Yeah, they're to more than take, happy to to take it up the, to the next step. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned Fight Club. And yeah trying to think because i had something when you said that like it's just you know you're nobody wants to go there i feel like has come that's what i wanted to know is as comedy and like doing stand-up kind of made you more almost kind of emboldened to not acquiesce if you feel you don't you shouldn't uh i think it's helped my overall confidence my job told me my job people at my at my job told me that they definitely noticed it what do you do for I work for a, uh, I do customer service type work. Okay. For a large business. Okay. In, for a large company in America. Okay. Which I will tell you off the record, but. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But is it, it's like phone customer service? Yeah. Call in? Okay. Phone and emails. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you, you've, from what they have probably said, you said you've come, you become more conversational and yeah, I used to get be terrified of getting on calls and having bad news for them. Okay, because they would start to get a little sh- not shitty, but they would start to be like, "Well, what the hell? What the hell, David? Like this is yeah." They would want you. They would want answers from you that you don't have. Yeah, but in fairness, I probably should have had them. It's like where I could have. Well, I mean, no done my prep work. But to also, be, to be fair, I'll, I'll say I, I work in call center work as mm-hmm. on the side as my uh, daily thing and. You know, people, you know, when people don't get the answer they want, they're going to they they're going to go by the persona. The squeaky wheel gets the grease and that my next my my next attack is to basically go above you and usurp your you're telling me that you can't get this done to find someone that can. And so it becomes a confrontation because you simply can't do what's provided. Some people it's either if it's billing, it could be something where. I'm sorry, I can't. You need to pay. You need to pay something you you haven't paid in six months. I can't. There's you know there's nothing we can do, or I can do at this level. And you just have to be comfortable with that. And it's hard because you want to help people, and it's hard to to tell people bad news. Yeah. And unfortunately, like you said, the squeaky squeaky wheel. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I mean that works a lot. So, yep. I've got a lot. I've had a lot of accounts where, like, the way bigger accounts are mo- mostly run pretty smooth. I give them some bad news. They're like, "All right, cool. Like, it's thanks yeah. for telling us." But then, like, the way smaller ones, like, I I get that like their world is a lot more impacted when they don't get a specific thing or whatever. Yeah. So I get that, but also, yeah, they're they're way more vocal than. Yeah, and they and they it's it's worked for them in the past, and so they. They will play that card. My business has a lot of people that that feel that have a lot of people that feel that entitlement, and they will they will try to push you. And it's hard to have call control, especially like I said, when you're afraid of confrontation. It's hard to have call control because there are questions that you technically you may not be able to answer. Like you may not be somebody that can say, you know, if it's a billing issue, what's the bare minimum I could pay? I can't tell you that information it's not something on my screens that i can see and they will lose their minds (laughs) because it's you know it's one of those things where i'm sorry that's just not i'm a tech support person i'm not 
I'm not I'm not a billing you know person you would need to get with our billing department. They're the ones that have that system. I'm not allowed into it for, you know, just for legal and security reasons that nobody, you know, the only certain people that are authorized can do what needs to be done just so that we don't have I don't do something that could be right for you, but done the wrong way and everything comes back. Yeah. And yeah, on the phone, I, I totally could see that would be like a moment where you have to put down your phone and like. Because I I would think after the call's done, like, how do you, do you just go right into another call or do you have time to actually emotionally regather yourself and. Now, yeah, I've got, I've got that time. Before, like years ago, it was the point, it was, we're going through a systems change or whatever and a bunch of customers were, were pissed off and wanting to know what was going on. And it was call after call and that was, that was beyond draining for me. Yeah, I, I and I because I, I know sometimes some call centers are immediately as soon as you hang up, another call is right in, and it's to me that would be terrifying. And it's as somebody again that's on the spectrum, sometimes your emotions get you're just you know kind of trying to hold it all together and not and not you know fr- be frustrated for the next person. You just got to take a deep breath, kind of okay. This person's not happy with me. Here's here's why. Here's what I, you know. In my head, I'm like, okay, what could I? I don't know if you do this. Do you work through it? And like, what could I have said better? Maybe maybe I could have said something, or I or do you just purge it completely? I, no, I normally take a minute to like to think it through, let my negative feelings out, mm-hmm. and I don't uh, so I don't lash out to them on the phone or via email. And then after maybe a minute or two, I'm like, all right, that's got that out. And normally, I see their point of view. Yeah, I'm like I, I would if I was, I would be pissed if I was them too. Yeah. And one thing that one of my old bosses told me is, they're not mad at you, David. They're mad at like the company or the situation. Yeah. So it's don't take any of this personal. We just pay you to to be the person. To me, at. yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the person that gets to get his ass kicked or whatever. But so how do you, do you does that did that come home with you after the job? Like, did you have to like did you have to like take a long drive home or? anything when i was married or back then back then when you started that job or whatever uh when i was like 2014 yeah i would take a lot of that home with me now that you mentioned it i hadn't even pieced that together yes i would because i was i was like for me like i was lucky that part of me was lucky that i i could i could differentiate but once i got my car it was like okay day is over let's just go home and by the time i would get home like 15 20 minutes Okay, it's gone. But I did also didn't have a partner that was asking how my day was. That just made it worse for me. It's yeah. Like, well, because it was just more confrontational. So I fucking hate. Then I just have work stress. Yeah. Once I was like married, and once I started going south, it wasn't even me taking work stress. It was more me taking home stress to work. Like that was just, yeah. That was one of my boss's things. Is like when you clock out, leave it here. And I'm like, that's hard to say when people are. When you feel like, like I had a person that was trying to scan something from their dad and the scanner just ate the document. It was like an antique document. And I just, I felt so awful because he had just lost them and it was like a memento. And I was just like, you know, how do I, how do I just be like, okay, well, time to go home. I was like, that kind of lives with me still, even to this day. Like it still lives with me because it was on a Saturday and I was trying to help him get it on the screen and I 
we could have put it on the flatbed and he threw it through the scan the feed auto feed and it just apparently ripped it to shreds and i just felt because i was like well maybe if we you know affix it to another sheet of paper you know and, and he just put it in the scanner and i was like no 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 and and you're just over the phone. You're not even anywhere we're driving distance. So it's like you're, you know, as soon as you hang up, you're just left with that to unpack. I think that's also one of my, I'm better at it, but I'm still, I still a little bit struggle with the emotional part. Okay. I think we all do. Though. I mean, it's something. Probably, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where you just have to, because it'll come back up. At certain points, like when you're like a, like a monthly review or whatever your job decides to do your your performance reviews, it comes up because you're like, oh, that one time, like that lives with you. They may have not even heard that call, but it still lives with you that that happened and it could be brought up in the next review. Hey, let's listen to this call. What happened here? I haven't had that. We haven't had that. We haven't done that yet. I've heard that like when other managers where I work have done that they they do have that practice so they'll bring somebody in and be like hey let's did you know how to do this or like what's yeah why why did you do that yeah so they'll kind of, they'll 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 want to know your uh i guess thought process yeah and uh i haven't had that specifically like calls come up but i have had my boss call me mm-hmm. and be like hey what's going on here well, this person yeah. emailed me what is this and almost all the time, I just admit that I messed up, <laughs> and the, and I can see the customer's point of view. Yeah, that's and they're like, all right. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times, you and know, I'll, I'll work on it. Like, well, I see that I was busy with these other things. I didn't get to this yes. in time. Yeah, or so on. And uh, yeah. So, what else do you have written down there? I'll tell you. Uh, so I've got it. So some of all fears. Then mm-hmm. I got fear of confrontation. I was raised Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm. That's the next next bullet point. I was already a sensitive kid. Next bullet point. We were all told we could get drafted and then go to jail for refusing to serve in the military. That's. I always had that fear that I was going to get drafted. I always I hated the idea. Like you know, selective service yeah. when you're 18, right? Yeah. I was just like, I'm going to get drafted. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to tell a judge that I don't believe in. Uh, I feel like they've abolished that, I think. I've heard that recently, but I I guess so. I believe that 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 is no longer a practice. I I think it was like in 2000 or something that they just had so many volunteers and so many people that are actually choosing to serve that we have more than enough armed forces, especially with the reserves and everything else. Or at least, in theory, that was what was told, is that... I used to... When I was a kid, my dad would, uh, when he, before he would go to work, he'd give me like one or two tasks. He'd be like, do this laundry, do this thing. Then he'd go to work, and I would just not do it all day long. Uh-huh. And then when, <laughs> when he'd come, we'd come back home, I would just pretend I was asleep. So he would not ask me about it. Or Yeah. Well, that's a good diversion tactic. Yeah, I don't know if you do it all the time. Yeah, I feel like he would wake you up at some point. But yeah, I'm sure that happened. Did you? Did you? Were you afraid of that confrontation as well? Like, just there, or was it just you just didn't want to do laundry? Uh, I think it was both. Just a very lazy kid, but also, and sometimes it could be you know some 
somewhere on the spectrum that's just you just got obsessed with something else and just realized, oh, just like your phone. Like you just look down at it and then you look up again. It's like midnight. I think, yeah, I think a lot of times I, I, I will avoid mm-hmm. something because like it'd be a, either a feeling of incompetence or whatever. Okay. Like it gets, a, it gets, I'll make it a big issue in my head okay. that I don't even want to think about it. And I still do that. I still struggle with that in my work. I have to like tell myself, like, all right, David, you're avoid, you're avoiding, you're a fucking adult. Get up and go do, yeah, do your job, do this thing that they pay you to do. And you're in your forties, but yeah, but yeah, it, it's one of those things. Okay, like I'm very routine based. It's very much like I'm I am. Yeah, yeah, routine works great. Sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, we're routine. I'm great when I when there's a routine. Yeah, like if I have an appointment and I miss that appointment because I overslept or I forget about it, my world is ending. Because I'm, I just feel it's it's a diversion, and I feel guilty, and then I don't know how I don't have the confidence to say, "Oh, I overslept," or you know, I feel bad that I've like I've I've made this appointment with a dentist or a doctor or something, and due to my own negligence and you know deciding to do comedy and and pass out yeah. and not realize that I had things to do in the morning, that now I have to reschedule. I've done that before. I've uh, I overslept by who knows hour hour and a half. And my boss just like I logged in. I woke up, turned my computer on, logged in, and my boss is just like, "Hey man, what happened?" And I was like, "Sorry man, I think just sorry man, I just partied too hard last night." Well, and he's just, uh, "All right, let's try not to do that anymore." I could tell he's probably pissed, but yeah, at that point I just felt like I'm not gonna lie to him about it. Yeah, I've done that before where I, I was supposed to go in the office and I completely forgot that that was the day we go in the office and I was just like sitting at my computer ready to log in. I'm like. Oh no, I should be I should be in the office. What did you? I mean, did you just tell him I forgot? Yeah, I did, and one of the supervisors said it's okay to work from home, but I just still feel like, oh, you're so you know you're so you're you're putting yourself on the radar to to do, sure. potentially get fired because you made one mistake in now almost ten years of of ten years and then four more years as a contractor. So I've been there almost fifteen years, and I'm like, well, maybe just relax a little bit you don't you're they're not going you know but i'm always paranoid because i was fired just out of nowhere at one of my old tech support jobs that i had that they were just like they just pulled me aside one day and like hey we're gonna get you we're gonna we're gonna terminate your employment because of this reason and i was just just like completely blindsided in my mind yeah it's hard to to not worry about that when you see people getting laid off when you see when you see that happening and especially when it's happened to you yeah, and it's like, oh, God. And so I, I've always freaked out and stuff, and I try to be proactive. There's a bad situation. I'm like, you know, I, I, you know, I have to look at my head. I'm like, you know, sometimes I feel like maybe I was the villain. Maybe I could have been more helpful. But I was like, you know, I was just trying to explain this situation. It wasn't like I was, like, like the soup Nazi or, you know, on Seinfeld. Like, yeah. no no tech support for you. You know, I wasn't doing that. I was just trying to explain something. They didn't understand it. And then they got mad because I said, well, that can't be done that way. You have to do it this way. And, you know, let me speak to your manager. Well, unfortunately we don't have a, a way to transfer right into a supervisor. They have, they, they just call back. And so, you know, they, and they, they are like, no, we're going to hold until we get a supervisor. And I'm like, I don't know what to do at this point. <laughs> I mean, all I can do is set up a callback. I, you know, I know the, you know, I, I can explain to them all the situation, but they just don't have an inbound line that I can transfer you to. As big companies sometimes do. Yeah, that's uh, 
I don't know how to do address you, do you, that. Do your supervisor like take over calls for you if they need to? Oh, uh, that has not happened to me yet. Thank God. Yeah. I, by the way, like, who knows what it was? Like ten years. Ago, <laughs> sorry, ten years ago, I was an analyst at this mm-hmm. company. I said to one of my coworkers, "Man, I would I would kill myself before becoming a customer service rep." Because I just saw all the stress, and it, it did not fit my personality type at all. Yeah. And somehow I've... Adapted. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I was friends with uh, with one of the managers who had a position. Yeah. And he more or less trained me up into it. Like, So, it's good that you have, like I said, that kind of connection or whatever, at least that kind of ally, I guess. Yeah, it probably helped me out a lot. I'm sure he told me that... Yeah. I'm sure he's told me, but I just would blow it off a lot, but... So, how would you recommend somebody that's that maybe is afraid of confrontation? How would you tell them to, I guess, to kind of, I guess, work through it? Like, how do you, how, what was, what are your steps to kind of, like, say you had, like, we'll say, we'll say for marriage, say your stepson reaches out and says, "Hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of, you know, this guy. He keeps, you know, keeps instigating confrontation with me. I don't know what to do." Uh, let's see. Just to give you some, I guess, realistic parameters to things go that on. I take super serious, yeah, are like maybe violence mm-hmm. against somebody I care about. I'm or, very passionate against bullying and stuff. Like, I, and I and there's very, very, various bullying things that I, I, I definitely go against. Like, as far as comedy goes, I don't like calling people out from the stage and things like that. That that is one of my big points. Is like you don't. You don't do that. You're 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 making mental notes of that person, that they'll come. They'll definitely if they don't remember exactly what you said. There are things that they will come find you to discuss. Like you have a problem with me. Like I don't I don't I don't prescribe to that from the stage. Kind of like you know, if we're not in a roast environment to to roast somebody, you know, I. That's why I'm I'm very not a fan of some of the comics and in, in the scene that do do that. And mm. it's like, I'm like, what are you doing? It's one of my hot buttons. And I, I hadn't thought about that, but I just thought I always think about like, what do you what do you make what are you making the audience less comfortable for? You're yeah, you're just gonna get them anything that I feel like increases the odds of them just getting up and leaving. Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, and it's it just it just bugs me. It's like you're on stage to work out your material. Your material is not making fun of another comic, whether it be a better comic or a lesser comic or you know, somebody, it's usually a lesser comic. Like, they just usually, you know, will comment on how poorly their set was or something. Like, don't, that's not your job. You don't think, you don't think that comic knows yeah. that, that it didn't go well. You don't think, you don't see him silently kind of making his way to the exit as fast as he can. Is it indication enough that he's had a, had a, he, he's not had a great set? You need to, you need to throw an extra commentary to the audience to show that you're, how much better you are. Just do your jokes. They'll know you're better by your regular material. Yep. You don't. But back to your question. Mm-hmm. Like when it, if it involves something like that, like violence mm-hmm. against somebody I care about, or like I also take super serious, like if any hints of like uh, not sexual assault, but anything like that, anything like anything, but yeah. being a creep to somebody, like I take shit like that super any, serious. Any social interaction. Sorry. What's that? Is it any? I guess aggressive social interaction yeah it's uh whether it be a a a violent threat or a you know or an uncomfortable threat yeah 
that's what I don't like, I guess. Yeah, and I try to preface when comics, when people like, you know, like I, I some women, you know, have, have expressed that, and I'm like, I understand where they're coming from because they, these are the guys that have never been brave enough to, to talk to you. They're the guys that have always stood in the corner, never took the chance to talk to a girl, and then they see you on stage. It doesn't matter what you look like. You know, it could be, you could be super attractive. You could be, it, it could be anything. But when you start talking about things that you struggle with and it resonates with what they struggle with, they immediately, as men, are going to be like, oh my God, she gets me. And of course they're going to, it's going to pull them in. And I'm like, we just have to learn how to better express these are the boundaries. This, this is a, this is what we, you know, and don't just, and not just, and not, and on the other side of it, don't be the nice, nice person that's placating this uncomfortable interaction. Just say, hey, you know, I'm not interested in that at this point. I, I would say, I think clear communication is the, is the best way. And, and if, I, so that's, I guess that's a two way. Yeah. It conf- definitely is. Well, no, no, no. I'm just saying there, there's a, there's a confrontation from the outsider point of view, yeah. like somebody's doing that to my friend. There's also the confrontation from the like the, those two involved parties where I have told my friends like they get weird vibes or, yeah. or somebody says some weird thing and I'm like here's what I recommend yeah. just direct like it's it's kind of a confrontation I'm like just like directly address like hey man don't say that like I don't like that don't say that to me yeah or just like don't leave ambiguity because like I don't want, I don't know what the polite word is to yeah. describe us like not losers or incels or anything but. Well, a lot of times we won't get it if yeah. you don't just fucking yeah. tell us. If like a uh, dumb and dumber, we're egotistical. I say we're egotistical, and so we just don't until you direct it directly at me, and it, and, it, and, it, and it addresses my ego, whether it be in a good way or a bad way. Yeah, I don't get it. So you have to you have to somehow ego you have to placate my ego either positively or negatively for me to like message received. <laughs> yeah, we always because we always see ourselves as the exception. We're like, yeah. we're like, all right, well, I'm gonna break through. I'm gonna be a star. I'm gonna be funny, or she's. I'm gonna be the one that she appreciates or she yeah. whatever. Like, no, you have to like directly. Yeah, and you just uh, you just have to take those expectations out of it, and that's I think a lot of people all of a sudden because they see a girl talk about struggling finding a guy that's a nice guy. I'm a nice guy, you know. You be, you all of a sudden, you know, and it, it's just a it's a natural thing. It, every, we're all pack animals, and at the end of the day, that's why people are depressed or by themselves is because it's your defense mechanism at the base, 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 base. You know, instinct. You're in danger. You're by your. You're alone. You're in danger. And that's where you know it comes into depression. I've been there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've been at that specific depression before but yeah. yeah if you get break it down to its tiniest piece it's your body tell, your your mind your body your lizard brain telling you hey you're in danger right now because you're not in a pack you you are and so you it it becomes a it's a it's an anxiety and then it just you you just kind of it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah i've i felt that like in my lower 20s and my younger oh yeah 20s. I feel I, you know, for me in my twenties, I was like, I feel like such an emotional toddler back then. Like I was just so, I was, I was in so many absolutes and that's just, again, it's because mental health has taken some steps forward and, you know, there are things that now that are in between, I guess what you would call what, what autism was when I was growing up is not what the spectrum is now because autism was, you know, it's, it's extremely, you know, high on the spectrum it was somebody that was you could tell you know it was one of those things where you could really tell 
there's something not right. Yeah. It was very. It was a very simplistic. They had a very simple way of doing things. They were very simple. What they would call simple-minded, or something like that. And it was just very. Oh, this is this is what it is. And now there's so many like degrees. You realize, you know, pretty much almost anybody could be on. You know, they're neurotypicals. But I mean, who's to say the neurotypical isn't a spectrum of its own? Like it's just. I'm sure that they're because it's just people have it. Just there's things that I've always. I've always been frantic about and paranoid about until I, till a comic, a famous comic, basically, just drunkenly told me you're autistic, and I was like, I was like you're rude. I was I was just very because I was I was also tipsy at the time and it was just uh. it was an after show thing that he said that to me and it was just a, you know it was this famous comic and was cited to talk about baseball because he's a baseball fan and. We kind of, you know, I and I kind of said something. He's like, "You're autistic," and he just walked away. And I thought, okay, he's just being an asshole because he doesn't want to talk to me. And then I started looking up like Asperger's symptoms, and I was like, "Oh, okay, well, that kind of fits." And you know, there were things that just resonated. Like I remember, you know, not being able to look at somebody when I'm being yelled at. Like I'd always, I couldn't, I would, I would avert eye contact at all co- I still do yeah that's why I look at my phone 90% of my time is because I can't sustain eye contact or I tr- when I try to it ends up it becomes a big battle and it's, when there's emotions raised I'm trying to my flight mechanisms kicking in like I'm trying to express my desire to go somewhere else and I get that I and mean, so that was one of the big symptoms is that in, in those kind of high pressure situations because I was always like is it bipolar no because it it's kind of, it, I get hyperactive at some points. Other times it's, you know, just an anger thing. And I was like, I don't want to know, I don't want to get into any kind of relationship. But I was like, for years, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to find me yeah. now what that I, we can. What I would do is, uh, what I don't know, what I do now anyway is, I don't like being this person, but I sometimes I have to like, like flip a switch in my head and yeah. just like, all right, I have to be an asshole. And it's just like, okay. And almost just like look at somebody and like maintain that eye contact and like, yeah. You just have to. You have to. You have to try to assert dominance. Uh, yeah. And by the way, like back to the work call thing. Like one thing I started doing like 2014 or 15 or so. Yeah. Is when I would get on those weekly calls, I would just stand up. Like nobody there could see me. I'd just be in my cubicle. But but like yeah. I'd be on a call with like ten other people and other all over. Yeah. And it would just feel more like not like I'm a man. I just feel bigger. I guess in my yeah. head. Like it's. You just felt like you're part of a group and that you're leading, you're somewhat leading, even though they can't see you, you're, you're taking the lead. Kind of, yes. Awesome. Well, that's awesome. that you, It's it's something that, like I said, a lot of people struggle with. Like I said, it, it can have negative connotations. And I, you know, I appreciate anybody that can kind of, kind of grapple with it because some people, you know, let it, let it consume them. And that's you know, a lot of people that unfortunately make up our potentially or suicide or just people that don't ever feel like loved or appreciated and so that always is something i've always struggled with because i i went through my 20s i had those those crazy you know manic i guess what some people call splitting you know personality you know where it's just it's almost like you're having a temper tantrum and i was like I can't be this. I can't. I can't. I can't be in a relationship and just all of a sudden just have these wild out like negative issues going on. Of oh, I'm just I'm I'm a loser. I hate nobody likes me. Yeah. 
I'm I'm dating you. You're right here. You know, it's like you can't. You it's either one. It's like I, either I need to revel in my negativity, or I need to find out what's wrong. And that, like I said, out of nowhere, this famous comic that I happened to be hanging out at the club one night told me that, and I thought I was offended. And then I realized, oh, he's onto something. And so it kind of it kind How of. How old were you when that happened? I was forty. That's recent, then. Yeah, it's fairly right. recent. All yeah. right. But yeah, it it turned it turned kind of my whole like perspective around. Like I was like, okay, this is what this is. Okay, so how do I? You know, there's no cure for it, and so it's like it's mo- removing things. Like I remember I couldn't play video games because I would get out of control, rage, just overwhelmed. I would get violent, and and I was like, okay, remove video games. Yeah, remove the arcade game because it's something. It's a, it's a, I guess, an anger or emotional response of overwhelm of trying to win and not being able to win that's driving me up the wall. And it's, you know, things like that. It's just you just kind of remove those, I guess, stressors. So uh, I've been there, but I think when that's normally when something else is stressing me out. Yeah. Or I'm already, or closest stressing me out. And yeah. then, then another little shit. Yeah. It was an expectation. It over. Yeah. It was an expectation of having undefeated season. And just being frustrated that that no matter what this game was just coming back on me and winning and I'm like I, I'm doing everything I should do to win and this game is not letting me win. It was very it was a very primal, like what game was that? It was it was like NBA 2K. It was okay. It was a lot of games and I would be like, I would get so mad and I would just be like, screw it. And then about ten minutes later, after I kind of went through the whole like i would get exhausted like i would be like i would have that anger where you have to like lay down because you're just like completely just beside yourself and then pick the game back up again and like 30 minutes and then have the same reaction again (laughs) and i was like okay this is not healthy yeah at some point yeah i mean i play games all the time but at some point if i'm not having fun it's like this sucks or it's frustrating yeah and i'm like i'm at least not gonna play this game anymore like this yeah it's just one of those things where you would get a. It was one of the games where it'd be like an obsession. Like, okay, I got to play it again. Okay, now I've calmed down. Let's try it again. God damn it, this thing is beating me again. But you were forty at this point. Oh, it was. It was probably my thirties. I okay. I just hadn't I hadn't played a lot because I just did stand up most yeah. nights, and so I just kind of I just was like you know I'll I'll make I'll just go ahead and you know donate my Xbox and everything to Goodwill and stuff and just get it out of my sight. I've uh, that's when I started playing like right when I my marriage was not working mm-hmm. I was like fuck it I had a I had a Nintendo system and I was like I just started playing that I noticed you were playing that I was playing out yeah, playing my Switch just now instead of writing material I, look my notebook was over here and I wrote all of this okay this entire, fair not, yeah but yeah so I get that like it's 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 nice to see that you're actually like I say you have I would say a limit to where you're just not. I'm not going to back down any further. Like with your, when it comes to your friends or anything like that, that there is a, okay, we, we're, 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 we're now in fight mode. I don't like being in that. And you don't yeah. like to be in it, but I mean, the fact that you will accept it and be like, yes, instead of trying to find a way, well, maybe, maybe, maybe she can speak up and say something, you know, or waiting for somebody else to, to confirm. And instead of being the leader of that pack and saying, Hey, that's unacceptable. Maybe you wait for somebody else to say, hey, or when they leave, then be like, that, do you think that was unacceptable? I'm sure I've done that a bunch of times, too. Yeah. 
but yeah, like I, I feel like at some point, some people just never take those reins. They never come out and just like, you know what? I don't appreciate you telling my friend that as a person, you know, I, I, he may sit there and nod at you, but I'm not, I'm going to call you out on it and say, Hey, that's, it's kind of rude. That's, that's admirable. And that's something, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of steps, a lot of people don't take. So yeah, I guess we've almost run our course here. I, I appreciate you for doing this, David. Oh, I, I appreciate you having me on. It's uh, <laughs> we've been wanting to get on it. That's awesome. Well, Are they start a mic? Are they doing a mic here? They they will after we're done here. Oh, all right. about ten minutes there, so according to the announcement. Who hosts this? Is that Andrew? Andrew or Jacob usually hosts it. All right. Are you, are you guys waiting for me to wrap it up? Yeah. See, they're not. I just was like, oh, this is a good time to end. And well, how many? Yeah, it is a great time. But more questions. How many listeners have you? What are you maxing out at? Or what have you? I think my max out is. Uh, I've gotten up to. I've gotten over. I would say I get 50 or so a week. Okay. This is not bad. I always uh, try to be aware of what, I, what I'm saying when, like, they've got a, there's like a big following or even a, whatever, a small yeah. following to try not to say things that are completely irrelevant to <laughs> a, to a listening audience. Yeah. But whatever. Yeah. It's we're in Fort Worth. We're at Low Key Tavern. Yeah. There's an open mic that's happening. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this. Where on social media can people find you? Uh can find me on all of the major social networks at djd666 the djd stands for my name david jesus diaz okay and the 666 666 is purely because i know people are scared of that number and they they won't take it okay so it's usually available i'm pissed when it's not is that your bumble name too uh (laughs) no because you gotta use your real name but it would be you want to you want to dance with the devil tonight ladies well David Jesus Diaz. If they want to, yeah. Well, thanks again, David. For sure. Thank you, Ryan. So that was David. That was a fun conversation. It was very interesting to hear his uh, his background as a Jehovah's Witness and how he's he's always been kind of a pacifist and how sometimes a relationship can exacerbate your fear of confrontation because you just don't want to deal with that person. It's very, you can check out David Diaz at a lot of local shows here in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Um, I am still in Wichita because I'm recording these almost back to back. So I am in the condo at Wichita with Vince Morris. It's been a fun weekend. It's been very cold. It was like 12 degrees when I drove in on Thursday, and it was 20 something yesterday. Today it has gone up to 50, but windy. And so. I will make my way back tomorrow morning to get to work at Dave and Buster's. And so I hope to make it back in time to do those. And I, I plan to, I plan to leave early. I plan not to have as many shots as I had last night with Vince. We had like eight shots of whiskey. And so I came in here, cooked a steak, ate half of it and then passed out in my bed. And so it was, it's been a fun weekend. We're wrapping it up tonight with one, two more shows. And so I hope that, you know, they go as well as they did last night. It may even be better with the weather. Uh, next week, I'll be with Vince again in Oklahoma City. And so hopefully even better shows and more shows to come as I will be in Hyannis Fort Worth the weekend after that. And also I'll be in the Hyannis Red Room in February. 
and headlining the Comedy Arena in March. So look out for more shows from me. I hopefully will get some Hyannis Dallas dates here very shortly, as well as some more TK's dates and hopefully some more DCC as well. I thank you guys for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. If you like what you hear, leave a review. Um, if you would have feedback for the show, email me at somefearfans at gmail.com. I'll have more guests. I put out a thing on Facebook and got a lot of comments this week about shows. I will have one I'll be recording as I arrive in Oklahoma City, you know, to with a with a therapist who's wrote a lot of papers, and so that should be interesting. And we'll discuss what she's afraid of in that episode. Uh, I've got another friend who's a social media influencer, and it's very interesting conversation with her. Um, that should be coming up in a couple weeks, as well as hopefully I will maybe get Vince and Arun to do the podcast with me as well. I thank you guys again for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. Have a wonderful week, and I hope uh, you've, you're having a great new year. Thanks for listening. And now some thank yous for the folks that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater for my art and graphics. You can follow him on Instagram at bwhiteh2o. Get it? H2O like water. You can also follow him on Facebook. Music. A huge thank you to Gunnar Olson for the wonderful music provided for this podcast. You can follow him on Instagram at gunbuns, that's G-U-N-B-U-N-S, as well as his website, gunnarolson.net. Check out some of the samples that he has recorded. They're amazing. He's an amazing percussionist. If you want to follow the show, we've got a Facebook group, Some of All Fears. Instagram, Twitter, you can find us at Some Fear Fans. If you have some feedback for the show, email me at somefearfans. S-O-M-E-F-E-A-R-F-A-N-S at gmail.com. I'll be happy to, to take those into consideration. Also, if you'd like to be a guest, email me at somefearfans at gmail.com. We can try to iron out some details and get that settled in. You know, give us some feedback. If on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, leave a review. It makes the show bigger and it's not going anywhere. I'm going to record as many shows as I possibly can. If you want to follow me on social media, I am at Ryan Perio. It's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O on all social media platforms. You can follow me there. And you can check me out at ryanperio.com, my website. I'll try to list upcoming shows there as well. It's been kind of spotty because as soon as I set it up, that's when the pandemic happened. And everything's kind of just in a, in a holding pattern. Thanks again for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. Next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.